Thank you, worship team and choir. What a wonderful time of worship. I don't know that I've ever sung There Is a Fountain like I just sang it. Y'all were singing that. How many of you were singing that song? Yeah, it just was resounding all around. We just said the prayer on our knees that I'm going to talk about here for a little bit. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it our Father. And we said it on our knees here just a little bit ago, once again, because we have said it many times in our lives, over and over again. We say the prayer, it is recorded in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles and you want to look at that prayer again, uh, you are welcome to do so. And the uh, prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Prayed how many times over the last 2,000 years? Give us this day our daily bread. And the Lord keeps answering that prayer. We see the answer every time He provides for us. All of His provision is answered prayer. And we pray, forgive us our trespasses. How many times in the last 2,000 years, echoed around the world in all the languages of the earth, have people said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us? And God has answered the prayer. He has forgiven us, right? So Jesus taught us. He said, when you pray, say, Father, which we do, over and over again, even when we're making our own prayers, when they're spontaneous prayers, we say, Father in heaven, our Father, just like Jesus taught us to, we ask for the needs that we have, we ask for the forgiveness of the Father for our sin. For 2,000 years, echoed billions of times, this prayer's gone out, and God has answered. And we've prayed through, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Has God answered that prayer? Prayed billions of times by billions of people over... Two millennia, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You frame the prayer for bread in your own words. You frame the prayer for forgiveness in your own words. How do you, in your own words, when you pray, frame this part of the Lord's prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you do that when you pray? Do you do that? How would you say that in your own words? Do you understand that part of the prayer? It sounds poetic. It sounds powerful. It sounds very expansive. That part of the prayer, all of it is framed in the plural, our Father, forgive us our sin. So it's all framed in the plural. But that part of the prayer we know. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's that's not just about me. It goes beyond me, my personal morality, my personal behavior, my personal faith. It's in there somewhere, but it's bigger than that. It's the prayer about the kingdom. And it covers the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's an expansive prayer. It's a great, powerful, 
prayer that reaches out its arms to encompass the entire planet and everybody in it. How do you pray this prayer? Do you pray this prayer? When you say these words, do you understand what they mean? It's about the earth. The world has never been so present as it is right now to us. We have 24-7 news channels. An earthquake happens in the Philippines, we know it immediately. An outbreak of a virus in Brazil, we know it immediately. Civil war breaks out in Nigeria, and we know it immediately. Centuries ago, we would never have heard of those events. Maybe our whole lifetime, we would never hear about the outbreak. But now, every germ that kills, every conflict that storms in the globe, every earthquake that shakes the earth anywhere in the world, we know about it immediately. It's amazing. And it's just true that the bad news gets there out, out there more than the good news. I was in a board meeting where local community leaders were talking to the media people, the publishers and editors, and saying, could you put the murders in the second section instead of on the front page? You know why they do this. Because bad news sells newspapers. I love the sparrows and the doves in my backyard. But Friday, I caught a hawk in my backyard. Graham and I, three-year-old. And there he is flapping around in this spot trying to get out, and he can't get out. And I was fascinated to see this hawk, this meat-eating bird, this predator with the eyes on the very front of his head mounted like binoculars looking for his prey, you know. And unlike all the other birds, when he tried to get out of where he was caught, he'd turn upside down and claw at the mesh on the top with his, with his talons, which were sharp. I let him out right quick. And he flew off in a minute. But it's just true that the hawk is more fascinating than the dove. It's just true. So we see lots of bad news. 80% of what we see is bad news. And it's just we are afraid. Sometimes someone in the church told me last week, they said, I want you to pray for me because it feels like I'm always afraid. I'm afraid what's going on in the world. I see the stuff on the news and I'm afraid of what's going on in the world and maybe that's true about you. You're afraid that germ is going to come right out of your TV and into your living room. You're afraid those Syrian insurgents are going to be knocking on your door. You're afraid to get in that airplane and fly because you might go down in flames and all that you see shapes your world and sometimes it warps it a little. Does anybody know what the safest year to travel by air in the history of aviation was last year. Do you know last year, 3.6 billion people rode in jets in 29 million flights, and we didn't lose a single soul worldwide to an accident in a jet airline. We lost 568 people to terrorist acts, two planes that were taken down. 
It's the safest travel has ever been. Would you have thought that? Would you have thought that? Do you know in World War II, the percentage of people in the world who died by violence crept up to 15%. So that of all the people that were dying, 15% of them were either killed in war or murdered in violence in their homeland. You know what it was last year? Less than 1%. In fact, statistically, they tell us that the last 15 years... It is average, less than 1%. If you want to live a long life and die of natural causes, this is the time to live. (laughs) This is the great time to live. You know, worldwide, the life expectancy has crept up to 63. Do you know that abject poverty has been cut in half percentage-wise in the last 30 years? Do you know the good news? There's lots of good news, and yet, somehow, we stay afraid. We just stay afraid of the things that are coming on the earth. See, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, but we fear what's coming. We are afraid about what's coming. Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, and then we are afraid The disciples said, look, tell us about the end. Jesus said, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up. And lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Do you see how Jesus treats the things that are coming? He doesn't deny that there are going to be perplexities and and anguish in the world, and the sea is going to toss, and, and there are going to be frightful things. He doesn't deny that. What he says is, while other people may be suffering from terror and apprehension of what is coming on the world, I want you to stand up. And look up because your redemption draws nigh. There's a different attitude for you in the world. A different stance to take. A different way to absorb all the information. Why would I do it differently? Because I've been praying, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that among the things that are coming on the earth, the most important thing is Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The Son of Man, He's coming. Jesus is coming back to get us. When the disciples watched Him ascend into the air, they were looking and they must have had a a face of anguish on, on their faces. And the angel said to them, well, why are you staying up in the heaven? This same Jesus who's been taken up from you is coming again in like manner as you have seen Him go. This great truth that Jesus is coming, that He holds the world in His hands, and that human history and the, and the planet are ultimately calibrated to the course that takes them to the Son of God. This truth is embedded in the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. When I pray that prayer, I am clothing myself with the perspective of Jesus of Nazareth. I'm seeing the world from his perspective. He lived in a troubled time, in a troubled political time, in a time when there were were great hardships and, and there was anguish among his own people and eventually Jerusalem, the beloved Jerusalem, would be torn down and burned and destroyed by the Romans just shortly after Jesus' death. He lived in a troubled time and yet he had this peace about him where he could say, peace I leave with you. I've got a legacy for you, my follower. Peace I'm leaving with you. My peace I give unto you. Do not do not, do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled, child of God, follower of Jesus. If you call Jesus Lord, you have prayed for the kingdom to come. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. It's not your posture in the world. It's not where the Lord wants you in your mind, in your heart, and in your attitude. Jesus is Lord. God is sovereign over his creation no matter who wins the election. The throne of this universe is already occupied by a sovereign God. And he is our hope. And he is our future. Thy kingdom come, Jesus said. When you pray, say, thy kingdom come. It's a confession that the world is not how it ought to be. Nobody's going to try to fool you and say, no, the world is just perfect. No, it's, it's a confession that the world's not how it ought to be. That's why we're praying for it. Thy kingdom come. I look around and I see things that are not part of the kingdom. There are places where the rule of God has not prevailed. And rule of thumb... The kingdom is, the kingdom of God is where God rules in the hearts of men. Okay, now it's bigger than that. It's bigger than people. It includes angels and everything God made. The kingdom of God is expansive even beyond this earth. But for us, on the third rock from the sun, the kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts of men. And we know that's not prevailing everywhere. We know there are problems in the world. So when we pray, we, we pray, Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know the kingdom is coming. We know that's the future of the planet. And we are petitioning God to bring the, the kingdom. We are asking, Lord, bring your kingdom. Bring it here. Bring it now. Bring it to the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I pray that prayer, there's a hope in me, there's a vision in me, there's a picture in me of a world where people love one another instead of hate each other, where there is peace prevailing instead of violence hurting people. I have a picture in my mind of a world where there's joy and relationships are restored and all the broken places are healed. I have this picture in my mind. When I pray the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This vision is in me. And I have this hope that God is going to restore all things. Just like he said, even this world that groans and travails in pain until now and gets old like a garment wearing out, God's going to restore it too. And I have this hope as I pray the prayer. 
And prayer is, the prayer is a commitment. I can't pray this prayer and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and not say, Lord, in me. Why would I pray this prayer and not want the will of God to be done in me? Why would I not want to do the will of God after I pray this prayer? So Jesus is teaching us to pray and so submit to the will of God myself personally. Lord, let thy kingdom come in me. Let thy will be done in me. Now this is the central quality and characteristic of a follower of Jesus in the world. He confesses and means it, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved from fear. You'll be saved from apprehension. You'll be saved from a skewed view of the universe and of the world. You will be saved from your own sin. You'll be saved from a future without God. If you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be rescued. This is the fundamental truth. This is what it means to be a Christian, to confess that Jesus is Lord, and he is the only Lord, the solitary Lord, with no competition. There is no other, only him. So I'm about to speak, and I'm angry, and I bite my tongue, and I wait till the spirit of anger is past, and the spirit of Jesus prevails in me, and then I, I speak in submission to the will of God because I prayed thy will be done in this life, in this tongue. I'm about to do something and something checks my spirit and instead of going forward with something I am sensing now to be wrong and sinful, I stop. I confess Jesus is Lord and I submit to the rule of Christ in my life and I back away from that thing which has not passed the test of his kingdom. Thy kingdom come means that I am under the rule of Jesus. When I spoke to the secular humanist group, I told them that I was trying to live my life in submission to Jesus and follow him and and I do it imperfectly, but that's my, my goal, that Jesus is Lord in me. And one of them burst out in the meeting. He said, I would never turn my will over to another person. That's what he said. Well, Jesus is just not some other person. <laughs> he is King of kings and Lord of lords in my book. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Son of God, Son of Man. He is the liberator. He delivers us. I'm with Thomas, my Lord and my God. We fall down before Jesus and we confess him as Lord and God. He is Christ. He is Savior to us. And we willingly submit to him and him alone. We will not submit to another Lord. Jesus alone is Lord. Your will, yourself, all your life, you're going to want to do what you want to do no matter what Jesus wants you to do. That's called being human. Jesus said, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Deny 
yourself. Deny yourself. It's the fundamental sin. Hath God said, no, you make the sin, you're going to be like God's. It's the fundamental, it's the basic temptation. I want to do this. I want to do it my way. It's what I want. What it means to be a Christian is I am submitting to the will of God. Did you know this was in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, you pray. Thy will be done, you say. On earth as it is in heaven. This is a commitment you make to Jesus as Lord. For you to step into the spot where Jesus rules in your life, in your heart. That's what it means to be a Christian. Confessing Jesus as Lord. Now, I read this prayer, and of course, it's about my commitment to Christ as Lord. It's about my submission to His will. Not my will, but thine be done. That is a standard prayer for the follower of Jesus. I want what you want, Christ, not what I want. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than me. There is a resolve in this prayer. As I pray thy kingdom come, I have to resolve something in me. It's it's not just about me conforming to the will of God. It's about me cooperating with God as he brings the planet itself to its proper conclusion in Christ. So everywhere I look around me, I'm praying, Lord, let the kingdom come. Let me bring a little bit of the kingdom. Let me help bring a a submission to your will. Help me uh, be your hands and feet in the world where I am. I've got this hopeful place in me. And, And I have struggled, okay, with how to formulate the engagement of a follower of Jesus in the community, in his world. Because we seem so negative and fatalistic about the world like there's just no hope it's going to hell in a handbasket so why mess with it why why rearrange the seats on the titanic i mean it's going down so and i struggle with this but jesus taught us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so i am motivated not just to submit to the will of god in my own inner being but to bring the will of god wherever I go, to work for the will of God, the purpose of God, and the kingdom of God in my community, to see the healing power of God touch people in need, to spread the word, the good news, the good, good news of the gospel. It's good news to people who are suffering under the illusion that it's all black and dark, and it's all coming apart, and it's all going to end in a big bang and it's all going to be over and we are saying to the world we have good news there is a God who loves you he sent his son Jesus to rescue you and when Jesus is Lord the world looks different it is a perspective to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done it's a way to look at life it's a filter through which to hear the bad news that comes at you it's a way to see the world kingdom is coming it's inevitable it's going to happen it is as certain as there is 
anything certain. It is certain that God is drawing this planet toward himself and all things culminate and find their consummation in Christ. This certain truth we know. And so we live in the world with a hope that the world cannot know or explain. Because we have our eyes on a future. Not of cataclysm, but of a welcome to the Son of God. Coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Who loves me and gave himself for me. Bow with me, please. Now, bowing is a way of submission. It is an expression of submission. So as we bow and as we close our eyes, we are saying to the great God whose presence fills this place, we submit to you, Lord. We bow in your presence. We recognize you as God and you alone. If you have never confessed that Jesus is Lord, if you've never trusted him, as Savior, if you've never confessed your sin and received his forgiveness, what a moment to bow your head in this moment of worship and to present yourself unto him just like you are. Lord, here I am with all my trouble, all my sin, all my failure, all the ugly things. Here I am, God. I know you know it all. You see it all. Forgive me. And then to confess, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he rose again. And then to receive, Lord, I receive you as my personal Savior. As many as receive him, to those power, ones he gives the power to become the sons of God. Lord, I receive you into my life. And I confess that you are Lord. God, I pray for that person in this room who has hesitated on the edge of this confession that today your Holy Spirit will draw them into the circle of your love. That today that person will confess their sin and that Jesus is Lord. I pray for that follower of yours who's been afraid and apprehensive and fear has been the way they have seen the world, their perspective in the world. And God, I pray for deliverance from the apprehension, the terror, the fear that grips us. Lord, that we might find our peace, our confidence in you as King of Kings and ruler of this universe. God, I pray that you would draw us unto yourself and today we might know you more fully and follow you more closely for having bowed our heads in this place.